Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. This episode of Working Dog Radio is being brought to you in part by RayAllen.com. RayAllen.com, your one-stop shop for everything dog-related. Not just canine, not just search and rescue, not just civilian sport, and not just pets. All of it. Everything related to a dog you can find at RayAllen.com. Be sure to mention the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. TrueScentK9.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. TrueScentK9.com. Actual explosive odors suspended in silica, not a pseudo. Hit them up. TrueScentK9.com. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you by Hits Training and Consulting. Next year, August 13th through the 16th in Chicago, Illinois, the number one police canine conference in the world hands down the most amazing instructors there wait till you see the vendor show if you thought last year was big you haven't seen anything there's going to be vendors from every facet of the canine industry giveaways everything you can think of great times during the day great times at night ted and i'll be there working dog radio booth gonna have a good time hits 2019 don't wait register now hits canine.net uh, it's Ted. Eric and I make no bones about the fact that we love Dogtra. We've been using them even long before they were sponsors of the podcast. Uh, my favorite is the 1900S hands-free. I typically have the remote in my pocket, and I just put the other remote inside my glove or on my wrist, and I can use that thing all day long. It's fantastic. Dogtra is going to continue to be a sponsor of the podcast, and because of that, you guys get a discount. So if you head to Dogtra.com... Any unit over $200, you get a 10% off if you use the discount code WDR10. That's Working Dog Radio 10, WDR10, dogger.com. Go get it. We here at Working Dog Radio are so proud of our relationship with Southern Coast Canine. Bill Heiser does some amazing work down there in Florida. Go see for yourself all they have to offer at www.southerncoastcanine.com. That's Southern Coast, the letter K, the number nine dot com. Southern Coast Canine. Better training, better results, better dogs. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at almk9equipment.com That's the letter K, the number 9, or Arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off off your first order tell him you heard it here now go get bit hey everybody this episode of working dog radio is brought to you in part by silver state canine 
our good friend Cameron Ford over there at Silver State Canine. They're a premier training facility located in Las Vegas. They have handler schools, trainer schools, and fully trained detection dogs available for sale. Due to their relationship with the Canine Cognition Center at Duke University, Silver State Canine training is all based on proven scientific methods that produce the most reliable dogs. They have yearly seminars and welcome people to attend them. Their staff has over 70 years of combined experience from military special operations to federal and local law backgrounds. Silver State Canine is the gold standard of detection dogs and canine training. Visit them at SilverStateCanine.com or on Facebook and Instagram at SilverStateCanine. It's Ted from Working Dog Radio. We are back again broadcasting the bite with me as always from Canton, Ohio is Eric Stambro. Eric, what's up? Cold. It's cold. <laughs> you know, this winter has not been... I feel like every one of my episodes lately, they're like, how's it going? Freezing. <laughs> and I'm in Ohio. I'm from Ohio, you know, but uh, the last couple days, man, it turned winter. It wasn't too bad, but now it's icy and whatever. But I got... You know what's cool is it, we're recording this on a Wednesday <laughs> and today, you know, Wednesday, my old stomping ground the police canine association over there in canton uh was the big training day so they had their group training today i think there was probably 15 guys there so i stopped down and trained with them for the day because i have a bomb detection dog i'm doing and then i have um a single purpose bite dog that i'm working on and uh so it was great man we went i went and got to see all the guys and you know tell some bullshit story i mean grand i've only been gone since november 2nd but uh so what was it like not instructing I actually, I didn't, I don't know. It was, it sucked. I'll just say that. But I, uh, I, it was cool, man. I didn't have the, the guys who were running the thing did some, um, a couple of drills that I had talked to them about. And, right. uh, so they did, they did that, which was cool. But I did for the first time in a long time, get the token joke and sit around and bullshit with the boys, you know, right. while everybody else was running training. So that, that part was pretty cool, I guess, but I was yeah. itchy the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go over here and put out my odor. You guys have fun doing your bite work. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way when I have large groups and uh, I'm running it with more than one trainer. I'm like, it, and even if they're my friends of mine or whatever, I'm like, so what the fuck are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? They're like this. I'm like, what about this? What about this? So believe me, I have like paralysis analysis all the time too. So <laughs> when, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I mean, you know, when we do these HRD things um, because we know most of the decoys and everything else, they kind of run super smooth. So, you know, we can kind of focus on instructing, but it's really weird to be in a position where, you know, we're not running something or doing so. I mean, shit, I had training last night and Josh, my, uh, my intern, uh, he is a, uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but, um, he's a nationally ranked, um, calf roper. Like mm. the guy can rope calves from a moving horse or something. I had some kids insane super good at it too anyway he had a deal where somebody paid for him to enter and it was a big deal and so uh, my old ass had to get in the suit last night and actually work the dog so i was like instructing the handlers at the same time as i'm working the dog so i'm like doing two things at once I'm like uh, so uh josh i know you're gonna hear this i love you <laughs> come back <laughs> uh how's the can of corso though uh, he has not, he's good today. He, I went into the kennel just a little bit ago and he started, he started barking a little bit when I opened the door and then when he saw me, he stopped. That was the first, first time for that. He's been, um, 
trying to murder me, uh, you know, every every time before that. So, but we're, we're starting to get along. He's, he only tried to bite me once today. Um, I can handle that. I went from 30 times to once. I can handle that. Yeah, I got uh, two handlers in school from two different states, and then Scott and I have a bazillion dogs that we're tracking, and two of them bit me today. At broke skin both times, but not like gnarly bad and just shitheads and super nice dogs um gonna be awesome patrol dogs but they're just kind of temperamental if they get frustrated and kind of working through that it's a little because tracking is not exactly something that is a quick payoff and they get super bent if (laughs) so yeah i got bit i got bit twice today in a row and i was just like fuck these dogs and i told scott i was like i hate these dogs he was like no you don't you love them they're great dogs i'm like i know they're gonna be great but but God, fuck I did get to see Linus today. I saw uh, that. Carl, yeah, Carl came up. He, he had Linus with him. He's he's not big, but he's getting bigger. And um, environmentally, he's pretty sound. He's he's coming along. Carl's starting to do some stuff with him. So um, he's he's a cool little kid. So Kendall, if you're listening to this, that puppy you gave me is he's coming along. So yeah, and anyway. I've got uh, the half sister. Or whatever, hypey, hype, Hypatia, hype, my little female duchy that is uh, rocking and rolling on explosives. And she's already doing, uh, just bouncing back and forth on place commands, just doing her, you know, puppy shit, which is something I always do, but she's rocking and rolling. So uh, tonight, um, we have a guest on, and we looked for somebody that was kind of going to bridge the gap because you and I both had a lot of people reach out to us and be like, oh, you guys had Bradshaw on and you guys have had people on that are like, you know, PSA guys and whatever else. But, you know, somebody do somebody with IPO. And um, I'm not in that community. Um, I don't do participate in IPO. Um, I know you don't. So, you know, we kind of looked around and um, you had a lot of people suggest our current guests that we have on. And so Alicia went about doing what Alicia does and uh, got her next guest to come on. So with that, we have Mike Dial. Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, we are awesome. So thanks um, for coming on, Mike. Man, we had uh, I've been hearing your name for years and years and years. It's funny because, you know, Indianapolis and Canton are about six hours away from each other. But we Mm -hmm. never got to meet up at anything. So um, it's a pity because I would like to have learned some stuff from you back in the day. Um, so I'm hoping to learn some hey. shit tonight. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm always up for too, so uh, we'll see. Maybe we can uh, do a little cross-pollinating and uh, each learn a little bit. So Yes. So, yeah, uh, why don't we start out with, uh, you know, what led us up to this conversation. So, you know, you kind of your background, how you got into canine, and then uh, kind of the sports side, and uh, we'll go from there. Oh, wow. Um, gosh, yeah, I know. It's, uh, uh, it's a long conversation, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, gosh, I've, uh, I got my first canine in 1986. Uh, at that time, I worked for a, a smaller department, and uh, it was their first canine. I was one of those, you know, uh, since I was a kid, I was always fascinated with dogs and mean dogs and big dogs, especially just, I loved them. So, uh um, you know, as I grew up and everything, I and you know moved out of my parents' house and everything. I got a got my own house and started doing a little bit of the dog and the dog training and dabbling. So, uh, um, 
never really did anything super structured or any big schools or anything like that, but just dabbled with them and, and knew some guys that did a little bit of obedience training. They did some protection training, so I kind of started to, you know, kind of filter my way through some of the just little local networks. And uh, I got onto a police department in 1985, and I was, uh, they wanted to start a canine program. They knew I was involved, uh, you know, with some sort of dog training. And, uh, you know, within a year, I was able to talk them into uh, letting me donate a dog uh, that I bought. It was a dog I actually got from Gene England. Gene's been around the, the sport and the dog world and the police community for years and years. And uh, I got a dog from him and, um, you know, started the, started the canine unit there with, the, uh, with that department. So uh, it was uh, oh, it a title dog already because, you know, kind of back in those days, I think, uh, you know, when you're talking more than 30 years ago, back in those days, um, most of the police dogs that I knew of anyway, they were all titled. And uh, they were all like two, three-year-old dogs. And, you know, when I say titled, it was shifts and titles, shifts and one, two, or three. Um, you know, kind of looking back then, I don't necessarily think that that meant it was a police dog, but, you know, that's what we thought it was a police dog anyway. So uh, I had a shifts and one dog and worked him on the street for, oh, about five years. And, uh, that chief can we had a new chief come in and like a lot of small departments you have a new chief he wants new things and he, you know he kind of dissolved the canine program uh right then and there so that was like 1990 so when he uh got rid of the canine program i still had this dog and he was a schutzen title dog and i knew a little bit about schutzen um and i really knew a little bit about police canine to tell you the truth too so uh a local a friend of mine had there was a there was a Schutzen club local and he said hey man come on out check this out um it's right here in indianapolis area and you know they're doing Schutzen. i was like okay cool so i uh, tagged along a couple of few weekends um at that time the Schutzen club was called western indiana Schutzen club it was run by a very good friend of mine and a mentor of mine a man by the name of mike hamilton Mike went on to be a USA judge and a president of Schutzen USA, and you know he did a he did a whole lot of great things for for dogs and, and dog sport in my in my world. So uh, that was 1990. I think I officially became a member of like uh, the United Schutzen Clubs of America in 1992. So I, I kind of dabbled for you know a year or so before I really committed and. Uh, you know, since then it's kind of taken off, and uh, um, the club that I started with, which was Western Indiana, is uh, you know uh, Mike moved on and did more judging, and I took the club over probably in 1997, maybe even 96, something like that. Shortly thereafter, we changed the, the club's name to OG Indianapolis, but it's the same club. Um, you know, still still Mike Hamilton's club as far as I'm concerned. So. Um, and I've been uh, training director for that club for you know since then up until now. So uh, let me think here. Where's my gaps? So probably so in 1996, I uh, um, got on the Marion County Sheriff's Department. Marion County Sheriff's Department is a this is the county that encompasses um, Indianapolis. 
So uh, I got on there and went immediately to Canine because you know they I'd been involved with helping them do some of the training since I've been working with the Schutzen Club and, and doing helper work. They you know they like to be in a decoy form and some of the different drills and different things that we would do. So I was already kind of working with that department at that time. Uh, the Marion County Sheriff's Canine Unit I think probably had 15, 15 canine officers and dogs. So uh, I immediately got on the department and uh, assumed the role of the uh, patrol dog trainer and, um, you know, held that held that till, uh, that was 96, I think 2006 is when, uh, or 2007 is when Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police, or Indianapolis Police Department, uh, merged and it became one big uh, Metropolitan Police Department. So now I'm uh, with Indianapolis Metro, and uh, I'm the you know I'm the patrol dog trainer for there too, and I have been since '06 or '07 when we did the merger. Right now, I think we have 28 patrol dogs, and uh, you know maybe like eight or nine interdiction dogs, and eight or nine bomb dogs. So I guess the total. You know, the, the, the canine unit with the specialty dogs is, you know, probably almost 50 dogs. But um, I'm only involved with the patrol dog part of it. I don't do the detection work. So uh, um, I do the training for the patrol dogs. And when we're not running a patrol dog school, then, uh, you know, I still work the street with the dog. I work on late shift on the East District. And, uh, you know, that's where I've been uh, on the East Side pretty much my whole career. That's kind of my... Uh, how I guess how we got to here as far as the law enforcement side, as far as the Schutzen side, you know, again, you know, I started uh, basically in 1992 officially with uh, Schutzen USA and uh, still with the same club. The only thing that's changed is just the name. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a highly active club. We've got a lot of good, uh, you know, I've, I mean, you know, everybody says this about their club, but I feel like I've got the best best club in the country. i got the best members. i got super supporting staff, people that help me do helper work and lay tracks and spot me and critique and bounce ideas off of. You know, we've got everything from uh, young puppies in our club to, uh, you know, usually uh, every year we send one or two uh, people to the world championships. We usually send five or six or so to the national championship and a whole lot to the regional. So we're, you know, it's a, it's a good supportive club. It's a competitive club, um, you know, but we're not competitive against each other. Everybody supports everybody. So, so back in, before, when you started dabbling with uh, IPO or Schutzen, um, and mm-hmm. before you joined in 1992 officially, um, you were dabbling. What were you doing? Just kind of learning some of the training stuff? Yeah, you know, uh, that, that, that's a good question. So dabbling, you know, probably what, what I think a lot of, what a lot of people do with the Schutzens, you know, I, it didn't really just like take hold of me the minute I, you know, the minute I joined, um, you know, cause I, I just didn't know what it all took. Um, you know, I had a dog, uh, from, from, uh, from the, from the first time that I came to the club, like was, you know, 1990 to like, I, you know, kind of officially joined, you know, the United Schutzen Clubs of America, um, dabbling. It was, uh, you know, again, just kind of trying to feel out really what Schutzen was. I know it's, um, you know, I had a, a basic idea. Yes, tracking, obedience, protection, but I had no idea uh, how much time, how much effort uh, someone had to put into it, the right time, the right effort, um, you know, and then also the right dog. You know, I probably went through five or six dogs before somebody helped me to like, hey, you know, you're, you're not getting the right dogs. You don't know, you don't know what this takes. So, uh, 
uh, Mike actually helped me get uh, get a good dog, and uh, you know I, I worked with him uh, for a little while. It wasn't you know a, a good enough dog to really do more you know a little bit more of the advanced work that I really wanted to do. So you know I uh, you know kind of navigate. I think at that time I actually went from from uh, my first dog that I made a title with to a Rottweiler. So uh, um, it was a, you know, and I uh, I trained and titled the Rottweiler to a Shits and One. So, um, yeah, the dabbling uh, was just kind of feeling it out and seeing what it really took. You know, I, I it's kind of funny because we see people, uh, that, you know, that come to my club too, and I don't really call them dabblers. You just kind of, you know, you see them. Most people that come to a Shits and Club, and I don't know if it's the same with PSA that you're involved in, but, uh, you know, they usually come once or two or three times. And either you're going to continue seeing them or you just never see them again. Yeah, there's a commitment. So, and this is something we talked about on the last episode uh, recorded before this one. So, and we all have you talk about this in a second. But one of the things that's super important that all three of us can agree on for police dogs is the proper selection of the dog. And to mirror whatever the department that is having that dog, like if maybe they want a dual purpose dog that kind of appears to do dual purpose work, but their thresholds for actual dual purpose work are so high that their that dog's never going to get a bite, right? Then you know that the department is not being supported. On the other hand, you have departments that'll bite people for violent misdemeanors, and you know they you they you know that they want a pipe hitter. You know that they were supported. You know the captains and you know the corporals and you know the under sheriff is a former canine handler and they're all about it so mm-hmm. selection of that dog is extremely important so just like ipo and especially in ipo psa french ring mondio kmpb whatever any of the sports right selection of a dog is extremely important for your success and everybody you know and i think it's more prevalent in psa than it is in in ipo because Everybody wants to reinvent the fucking wheel. So you have a lot of really talented trainers in PSA, some really, really, really talented ones, and they use really, really yeah. nicely bred Malinois or Dutch Shepherds, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll have somebody come in, and people are going to hear this and get all fucking bent out of shape, and, and I'm not talking shit about flat-nosed dogs or anything other than a Malinois or Dutch Shepherd, but what I'm saying is you have dogs that are predisposed genetically to do well in this type of work because of how we judge it with downfield speed and entry and grip and everything else that is judged. So you'll have a really talented trainer have a really nicely selected and nicely bred dog and you're competing even if you're against them and and you're competing against them with you know even if you're a super talented trainer and i'm not even going to mention a breed just not a herder Because I'll get yep. fucking hate mail. So just not a herder. Sure. Just pick one. Uh-huh. Like a chihuahua. So you'll pick a chihuahua. And you'll not do as well as you think you could. Or and, and as, as a trial decoy in PSA. As you probably should. Because the dog has terrible grips. It has weak endurance. It has. There's any number of things that can cause you to lose points. And so, you know, in both sides of this and in the police side and in the sports side proper selection of a dog is of a huge importance and i think that is overlooked 
so much because I have people come to me and they're like, I want to do a PSA with this dog and I'll see the dog one time and I'll be like, I got bad news. <laughs> like, you, even if you were the most talented trainer on the planet, this is going to be fucking hard. <laughs> I right. mean, yeah, it's so it's like, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're paddling upstream, you know, we right. see, and I see it come to my club. You guys probably see it come to your groups or, and something too. I think I got an email even a day with a guy that has a six month old Vizsla Pitbull mix that he wants to do Schutzen with. I don't Duh. discourage him. And, and I tell people we're not breed specific and I'm not going to insult him because the minute you say, oh, you can't do it, God, that you've insulted him. So, you know, we've made another uh, dog sport hater out there that hates Schutzen or <clears throat> hates me or hates the club or whatever it is. So I always say, come on out. Um, the worst, the worst dog that ever left, you know, most of these training clubs is probably still ten times better when they came in. So come in, get what yeah, you can true. out of it, what you want out of it. I understand, you know, most of the time they'll look around on their own and say, "Oh boy, that's uh, how come that little puppy there um, of a of a purebred uh, background? How come he's doing so much better than what mine? I can't get mine to bite a rag. You know, I got to wake him up to feed him. I've got to, um, <laughs> you know, jump, you know, be a cheerleader all the time." Um, you know, most of the time people will see that either they'll adjust we get the right dog, you know, the right tool for it, um, or, uh, you know, they'll move on. But yeah, you're always going to be at low level to high level. You're always going to be, they're going to be limited by your genetics. You know, there's a ceiling on it and be the best dog trainer in the world. If you give, uh, and you're doing PSA and you give that guy a Dalmatian, he isn't going to do very good. Okay. <laughs> genetics are going right. to be strict. Terribly. So, you know, you, you want you you want the best dog. And you, you know you gotta and, have to get a genetics for that. And you know, Eric and I have this conversation often in private and sometimes in public. And you know, and it happens to me I think more because of where I'm at, but if people come to me all the time, they're like, I have a dog that I think is gonna be a great police dog, I'm like, Oh yeah? Why is that? And they're like, Oh, because he's this breed or that or he has a ton of ball. And he's, drive he's really and he's super smart. And he's right. smart too. Yeah. Yeah. I like and, that. I tell people, I'm like, I don't want a smart dog. I want one that does what I tell him to do. So <laughs> I'm like, no, no, hold on. Let's, let's not, you know, I mean, so, and you know, I, I hear that a lot and then I'll have these people show up and 99% of the time they'll show up and they're they'll show me this dog and they're like, oh, he, he, and same thing with the PSA stuff. Um, because the dogs that I would select for being successful in PSA and the dogs that I would select for being successful in police work are very, very close so they'll show up and they'll say, they'll show me this dog and I'm like, mm, let me go get one that and show you. And they're like, holy shit, why would anybody want that? And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but that's what we need. So if it's not that, I mean, I'm sorry to tell you. I'm like, well, that dog is uncontrollable. That dog is, is unsafe. Or I'm like, it's need, it's none of those. It's just, right. it, it just is what it is. In fact, Eric, that dog that I picked up in Ohio uh, from that dude up north, uh, Enzo, uh, I picked a dog up from a guy and uh, that Eric hooked us up with with a mutual friend. And um, when I went and picked him up in Ohio, I was like, so what's the deal here? Because this guy's an IPO trainer. And he was like, oh, this dog's too much for IPO. I'm like, the fuck does that mean? 
You know, I was like, what do you mean, dude? Yeah. I've, I've and heard, yeah, I've heard, I've heard. well, so, and I, I'll be honest, <laughs> like the gnarliest dog Scott and I have ever put out, the dog had an IPO on. Granted, it took him three times to get it because he tried to kill the judge during yeah. tracking. And yeah. he, he, he was an asshole. And the fact that they managed to get an IPO one on that dog is phenomenal. Uh, I was shocked. <laughs> I was flat out shocked because he tried to kill me as the handler during tracking a couple times. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yep. Um, he went to a lar- yep. or, well, fairly large police department that went through um, some well-televised riots. And um, anyway, the dog was very, very good. And I can understand why. So I picked this dog up and we bring him back. And he's here now. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, whatever. This dude doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, whatever. And sure as shit, this dog is gangster as shit. I mean, he bites hard. He wants to bite everybody. He's semi easy to control but I can see a hundred percent and on the sports side how he is not very biddable like at all and I mean when he gets like kind of deep in his feels or he gets kind of deep in drive he is not wanting to he is not wanting to listen to anybody and do anything and I'm like well I can kind of see yeah. why, you know, I mean, and I mean, and he's gnarly. I mean, he's got great environmentals and I mean, he's a great patrol dog yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, he, he Some definitely, they, they, when they, when they go to that, when they go to that real dark spot, they can't, yep. you know, like they're in a protection or whatever, you know, whatever their high drive wanting the ball or whatever it is, you know, they can't process thought anymore. They just, they just glaze over. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you, that's where you talk about not being biddable, um, you know, too much for the sport or something, which is a, a phrase that I don't like to use and really don't use, but I know that people do use it, but you know, I mean, there, there's dogs, I don't know if I want to say too much for the sport, but not the temperament for the sport. Right. Know? I didn't use, that was something that the, the guy that owned the dog told me when he gave me the door when I bought him and I'm kind of the same way I'm like what the fuck does that mean and I know what he meant now because it I have several dogs that I've sold or trained or cross purpose or whatever that have turned into that so I kind of understand right. what they mean and what he meant was when this dog gets in drive that motherfucker wants to bite everybody and whatever I point him at it's getting bit and which is fine mm-hmm. and he's super cool like you know I mean you can hand you can grab him and you can direct it by you can grab his collar and go plug him on he's fine he, he won't bite the handler which is awesome mm-hmm. but fuck around he will bite whatever else is in front of him so uh he's in that respect he's great he's not super clean when he outs <laughs> so i mean there's any number of things i could see and this guy raised this dog so i was like oh you know from 10 weeks old so and he's not a bad trainer and i was like oh all right well i mean i get it you know what I mean? So, I mean, and so now that I've had him for a while, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if I had to do IPO with this dog, I wouldn't want to fucking hang him. Because <laughs> he's kind of a dick. He, he, did a, he, did a good, he did a good job raising him. He let him grow into his temperament. Obviously, he didn't squish him. He let the dog feel strong and confident, maybe a little bit too strong and confident. And, uh, you know, he, that, that, that's a good job. Oh, no, he, he did great because he wants to bite people for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yep. so in your club, um, when the time comes to tell a guy or a lady that, listen, your dog's just not going to do it, do you guys have a saying for that? Is there something like, hey, who's going to go 
break their heart or shit can this or do this? Do you guys have some code word for, hey, you got to go tell this person that their dog is? No, 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 no. I, 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 I handle I handle that for the most part. You know, we, we've got little, little smaller little pockets of group, you know, two or three or four people that get together through the week and they'll go track and maybe do a little bit of obedience with each other and a couple, two or three people, you know, friends that meet up and do this and that. But as far as like, if... Uh, and, and I mean, sometimes in those groups, they might say, "Hey, listen, little, uh, you know, little old uh, Ringer, he's just not, you know, he's just not making it. You know, he doesn't like doing this, and you're, you know, driving yourself crazy trying to make him do it." Um, sometimes they'll converse amongst themselves, and it'll just work its out, its, itself out that way. And you know, every once in a while, I probably did maybe a month ago, um, a guy that's been plugging away for two years with a four-year-old female that just doesn't have the heart to do anything. Uh, barely a BH, will never do an IPO1, doesn't have the temperament for any of the work to do, you know, any 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 of three of the, you know, the, the, the phases. I don't think that she can pass. And he's a good guy, and I pulled him to the side the other day, and I said, hey, you know, uh, she just she just isn't going to do it. You know, I know that you do your obedience way, way over to the side because, you know, you're kind of embarrassed to, to work her in front of everybody else. But I said, you know, it's 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 just not going to get any better. You're not having fun. Some people, oh, well, it's a, it's a good learning dog to learn off of. Yeah, I get it to a certain level, but you're not learning anything anymore. You know, you're going to learn a heck of a lot more with something you're trying to reel in all the time or trying to cap the drive or get under control rather than this one that you're jumping around like you're uh, doing a you know a Jane Fonda workout to try to get the dog to, dog to get a ball from you or something. So um, always being a cheerleader. So I had a talk with him and he's like, you know, I, I was kind of waiting to hear that and uh, I thought it all along and, you know, you're right. So, uh, you know, they're, they're looking on getting him a puppy. You know, and one thing that we had Bradshaw on like way back on the beginning episodes and when you say stuff mm-hmm. to people like that to people you have to like kind of preface it with like I'm not making and I do this with police canine handlers too I'm like I'm not making a judgment against you personally like it's not this is not a like this is straight up like I don't care who's holding the leash I'm you know because a lot of people will take that personally I mean I've had a lot of like professional canine handlers tell me and, and, and what you're saying is exactly it. Rarely do I, in the early stages of, uh, you know, when I was with the club and when people didn't have one, I would tell them and they would do one of two things. Either they'd leave and they'd hate me or they would say, you know what, I'm going to work twice as hard to prove him wrong. And it was still the same <clears throat> garbage dog that they were trying to polish up and they were going to run to the field and be all excited and run off the field and double praise and doing all that. It was the same dog. And you're exactly right. It's like telling, it's, you know, I mean, with a lot of people, you know how, you know how people are with their, with their dogs. It's like telling them, you know, tell them their kid, you're, you're talking about their kid. A lot of people, yeah. I mean, it's it's nearly the same level. It's like you're telling, hey, your kid's fat, and uh, he needs to stop playing football and uh, go join the band or something. It's, it's about uh, about the way some of it take it. So I don't I don't like to tell them. I usually like to let them figure it out on their own. Watch all the other dogs. Watch who's moving ahead. Watch who's doing this. And you're still here with, you know, little Ginger trying to get her to bite a ball. So Because yeah. they do take it personally. And in the, in the, in the I'm not as... 
I don't tippy toe as much when it comes to the police canine world, um, because you know that for, for me anyway that that's 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 life and death shit, right. and mm-hmm. I'm not going to put somebody out there with a dog that he thinks is a killer and a man stopper and he's going to find everybody and he's going to protect him and <clears throat> catch all these bad guys when it's a dog uh, that if you're not shaking a sleeve he's not going to bite it. So yeah. if, if we've got a substandard product out there, uh, absolutely, and if they're going through our school. You know, we'll we'll wash it. You know, and it's yeah. it, it's nothing personal. It's all it's all business. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to take a break for a second. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk with Mike mm-hmm. about some of that stuff, uh, both the police side and the sports side. So pay attention. We'll be back in just Eric a second. here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military-themed. Go to the website, www.usa-k9.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations, and that's freaking badass. www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K nine pro or check them out on Instagram at USA canine dog toys. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's talk about training and conferences. We know training budgets are always tight and that's why the crew from hits goes the extra mile for you. Let's be honest here. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like hits. It has now gotten so large that the 2019 hits will be held at the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick place. Experience matters when it comes to putting on a show like this. And when it comes to police dog trainers, the guys who run hits are still working police dogs, just like you. There's going to be three full days of training with five classes classes in session at a time. Toffers are going to range from patrol work and dog selection to case law to search and rescue to canine first aid and everything in between. They had 1,100 people in attendance last year in D.C. and are planning for more this year. And it wouldn't be a conference without the vendors. The McCormick Place has enough room for 100 vendor booths. You can meet the people that make the equipment you guys use every single day. The vendors make coming to hits an experience like nothing else in this industry, plus the free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Last year, they gave away about 40 grand in cash and prizes from vendors. I expect Chicago to be bigger. So come join the crew from Working Dog Radio in Chicago during the week of August 13th through the 16th at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I know handlers and I know you people wait to the last minute to do everything. Don't be that guy. Head over to hitscanine.net. That's the letter K, the number nine, to get registered and save money on your registration for doing it early. There's also information about the discounted hotel rooms. That's August 13th through the 16th in Chicago. If you didn't write it down, we got the link in the show notes. Hey guys, Eric here. If you listen to Working Dog Radio or follow me on social media at Van S Canine, you know that I am involved in a wide variety of aspects of the dog world. I am a police dog trainer, pet dog trainer, I own dog daycare, and I am a pet owner. So I have a wide variety of needs when it comes to gear for the dogs, daily living things for the dogs, all kinds of items, training, anything possible I need. I go to one place, rayallen.com. Rayallen.com is a one-stop shop for every 
thing dog related. Anything you could possibly need, check them out. RayAllen.com. They've been doing a long time. Great customer service. Super high integrity at that place. RayAllen.com. Put in promo code Working Dog Radio for 10% off your next order. Ted and I love that place. RayAllen.com. Get on there. Click everything you need. Ship it all at once. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's take a break for a second. Let's talk about Dogtra. We make no bones about the fact that Eric and I love Dogtra. In fact, we've been users of them since long before we even started the podcast, and it's one of the reasons that we approached them to be sponsors of the show. We typically only want to have stuff on here that we actually use and that we can stand behind and endorse. Dogtra is one of those companies. They've been at it for a long time and are industry leaders when it comes to production of reliable, consistent training equipment for your dog, whether be poppers and droppers, whether it be e-collars or now they've got the new GPS one, which Eric has been playing with and he really, really likes it. So what I want everyone to do is head to dogtra.com. You get a 10% off of any item over $200 and you use the discount code WDR10. That's just like the initials of the show, Working Dog Radio, WDR10. Hit them up. Highland Canine Training, LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number 9, training.com, and make your unit better. Let me take a second and talk to the explosive handlers here. Everybody knows that HME is a huge problem now. The problem with training on it is that it's extremely dangerous, and a lot of times you guys only get access to it a couple of times a year, which is not enough. Nobody wants to handle TATP or HMTD. So, enter TrueScent Canine. That's TrueScent, the letter K, the number 9.com. They manufacture an actual odor, not a pseudo. It's an actual explosive odor suspended in silica. So, they do TATP. HMTD, RDX, TNT, PETN, ammonium nitrate, potassium chlorate, and they do a distractor odor too so that you can proof the dogs off of the training aids, but it's actual explosive odor suspended in silica. It's safe to handle. You're not going to blow yourself up. You're not going to endanger anyone else. And the dogs, through verified testing that TrueScent has done, will alert on both the training aids and then actual HME odor down the line through training. So hit them up, truescentcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, truescentcanine.com. Okay, we are back. My canine handler, IPO competitor, IPO trainer. And uh, we were just talking about kind of the addressing um, substandard dogs, whether it be in IPO or, well, sport in general, or whether it be in police canine work. And like you said, you know, you don't tiptoe around. And, you know, I'm kind of the same way. And when I have dogs come in, 
for sport work, people will be like, well, you know, I want to try. I want to try. I'm like, well, you can, I guess. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's not going to be very successful. I mean, you can be a fucking world-class trainer and you're going to try really, really, really hard and you're going to compete against people that are really good trainers and that have really nice fucking dogs that kind of do some of this shit on autopilot that you're having to do like, and I was like, and it's going to suck. And some people are like, oh, okay, well, I mean, what do you suggest I do? I'm like, get a new dog. And some people are like, what do you suggest I do? And I say, get a new dog. And they're like, well, you know, I mean, this is my dog. I'm like, I get it. I mean, I get it. I'm not, it's not an indictment against you as a person. And like you said, in the, in the police side, um, you know, Scott and I, and for that matter, Eric, do a pretty good job, and I'm sure you do too, selecting dogs if we're asked to, to do the work that's required in the police side. But occasionally I'll ask to do a retread and I'll get a dog in that I'm like, what the fuck did you size sit? Like, how did this dog manage to get as where it's at now? And, um, so on the selection side, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, on the police side, you don't dance around a whole lot about it. So what does some right. of the failures look like for, uh, the police side for something that would wash a patrol dog? Cause you only do the patrol school, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and right. I probably should have correct you. But it's Mike Deal. Um, but um, yeah, as far as when we test the dogs, um, you know, everybody's got their own certain way of testing them, um, and certain things they look for, don't look for, because it, it's it's not always it's not always easy selection testing these dogs, especially when 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 we're not dealing like we were 30 years ago, which is, you know, uh, German Shepherds, or even a little bit before that, because I dabbled a little, you know, with some of the guys before that. I can remember 35, 40 years ago that, like, all the, all the dogs in my area, in the Indianapolis area, for the most part, they were all donated dogs. And they were usually donated because they bit somebody. If they bit somebody, whether it was a kid or adult or something, okay, it's a police dog. So, <laughs> you know, we kind of know now. Those are the dogs we stayed away from. I remember yeah. one, of the first police dogs, one of the first police dogs that I sold to a police department was a dog that I got back because he bit the kid, bit the people, even bit me. And they couldn't wait to come over there and get their hands on him. They wanted him because he bite people. Uh, you know, you think, again, 35, 40 years ago, training wasn't, wasn't the way it was right now. You know, you're wrapping old pairs of jeans around your arms for sleeves and or newspapers or whatever. Uh, there was, I don't even think there was any, any such thing hardly as muscle training then, or at least not very much. Suits were like, you know, you might have one suit, um, you know, that was 10 years old or something. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they were all ragtagged and everything. So training training was 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 poor and so you needed if we needed dogs that would bite uh we looked for dogs that bit people so which were you know usually the, the worst temperament dog we could find we also wanted them in the back of the car barking their heads off the whole time as some sort of deterrent which is something that we we don't like at least i don't like anymore some guys still might like that i don't like no eric eric hates that i hate that shit too yeah. <laughs> no i no, fucking no, hate that it's you know it's about tactics too it's it's you know you, you lose your tactics you know you, you can't hear anything you can't talk on the radio Somebody, you know, if you're sneaking up on a crime in progress, you know, you got a dog barking, so they're already going to hear him. Somebody runs up to you on the street to say, hey, somebody's over there getting killed. You got a dog barking at him the whole time. You don't hear anything. So, um, but uh, kind of backing up a little bit, like, uh, this, you know, the selection. <laughs> You know, we, we, we get the dogs when, when we 
go to selection test. You know, we, we get the dogs out. I want to see how they act when they get out of the kennel. Do they go pee right away? They sniff. How's their tail? How they carry? You know, are they healthy? Uh, for the most part, you know, when you deal with different vendors, you know, you never know. They might have got a load of dogs in the night before, and uh, these guys still might be groggy. It might be a dog that's been in the kennel for a week or a couple, two or three weeks, and they've been running back and forth, and their pads are sore. So I kind of do a quick little assessment of, of just kind of the dog's uh, immediate general health. And uh, then we kind of go from there. You know, how's the act? Is he friendly? Is he open? Uh, we, you know, we toss a ball. I want to, you know, see if they're going to bite a ball right off the bat without, you know, just kind of throwing it out of them. They go to it. How hard they go to it. Just little things like that. Do they carry it? They bite it hard. Can you get it away or can you not get it away? Will they hunt for it? You know, just quick little, quick little assessment. Just kind of a drive. Um, temperament um you know to start off with um you know pretty soon i I think a lot of people still use it we still do the stakeout test and that's one of the first stakes one of the first tests we do is the stakeout test you know i want to evaluate the dog's temperament and uh you know what we're looking for is fight drive in in police dogs um we gotta have we gotta have dogs that have fight drive i'm not looking for defense i don't think defense is a drive and i won't even get into a debate over that because it's not a drive no dog gets out of the car wants to defend himself or goes down an alley wanting to defend himself i want a dog that wants to hunt and bite people so trying to evaluate fight drive in the dogs you know is uh, one of the one of the ways we do it is you know through the through the stakeout test um you know then we'll we'll get the dog on a suit and uh Test his bite, test his commitment, speed. One thing I'll never do again, I've done this two times in my career, I'll never buy or select a mound wall that's not fast. If you if, if there's a mound wall that's not a rocket, it doesn't <laughs> usually turn up. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We I did one I did one last year and and we said, well, we like every the dog stakeout test good, bit good, everything was good. But the one thing we noticed was he's just really not not that fast. But you know, I always said, hey, he's fast enough to catch anybody. So uh, um, you know, we took him. He went through school, and the dog had about three or four failures on the street. We washed him. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, we did another that's, one. That's very indicative of drive and of commitment. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, Again, if it's a if it's a mountain, it's not fast. There's something wrong. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we did another one this year, and uh, we only let him stay a week. And it's like, nope. And uh, you know, by about week two, when we're starting to do some a little bit more of the real work, when we're doing a patrol dog class, we're usually into the muzzles by then, and you start kind of you, you start you know separating some of the temperament and the drive levels. And once we went to a muzzle, um, he, he he said, I'm done. You know, so uh, that was the two slow Malinois that I've selection tested, and uh, I'll I'll never I'll never select another one again. I've seen some of those come through, and. Um it's it's always i guarantee you a slow one like that will have a problem with environmentals or will have a problem with passive bites and i see one and or both with with mouths and dutchies that are at slow meaning like they're like with those dogs if i'm not having to cap them a little bit i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you like you need to be you know i i mean if i have to convince you to do something like something's up and you know those dogs ultimately fail either on 
like weird something environmental that you wouldn't think of or something that's completely obvious or um, where, 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 when, or when I'm talking about slowness what, what I'm what I'm talking about the slowness where we saw it in, in what I'm really gauging it on is like just sending them for a bite on the suit it was just yeah they went there yeah they were committed but it wasn't just flat out and there's just you know it, even though they go up and you know and make a good bite and bit hard they're just there just wasn't that reckless speed that you should see the other well, little you know that yeah and that permeates everything that permeates their tracking that permeates their detection work that permeates everything so like their recalls are slow their detections is kind of was like yeah when they start you know, I mean, yep. and you, you're 100% right now. I've got several, I've got actually got three really nice German Shepherds right now, and they're completely different. You know, they are super drivey, but, you know, they're not like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, and you're 100% right. I mean, like, if they're slow in terms of, like, just commitment and yeah i mean yep. no, i i completely get what you're saying and i mean it's something i, I always say it's kind of like porn you know when you see it like it, it's kind of like you'll see 14 of them in a row that are like holy shit and you see this one and you're like what the fuck's wrong with this one like you know I, somebody got the parking yeah. brake on or what are you doing <laughs> yeah. i, I would have never i would have never even kind of thought of that years ago as like something to weed it out except for like it's like like i was telling you i've selected two dogs that didn't have that blistering speed and both of them both of them were failures. One went all the way through the school. We, we pushed him through. And, yeah, when you talk about the passive bites, which is, you know, going to be about 99% of most people's bites and, you know, apprehensions yep. anyway. You know, he had he had three or four good opportunities, fails, and, uh, you know, was washed and sent back. Yep. So, and, yeah. So I mean, having that, gotten into IPO in the 90s, like the early 90s, and then still doing it now, mm-hmm. we've all heard the term work smarter not harder what are a few things that you are now doing absolutely completely different in the training side of the ipo dogs bringing them up because it just oh my gosh <clears throat> from from not from 92 to um, now i mean you know back in the old days and i think some people might even still do it still today i mean uh, obedience was uh, a ball in your pocket a prong collar and let's go boom 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 you do something right toss them a ball <clears throat> Um, you know, rear end awareness. Nobody even knew what rear end awareness was till five or six years ago. I didn't, but you know, dogs don't know they've got, they don't know they've got a butt, but rear end awareness, you know, for about turns and flip turns and the healing and all that, we cut bolt your rear end awareness. And we didn't have to teach it with, you know, wrapping up a prong call around our waist or anything. And, you know, something harsh like that, just, you know, um, all the little positional, the food things, you know, you guys see on, uh, on the internet, I mean, people are posting videos of training and stuff that puppies and young dogs are doing all the time for food and not even saying a word mm-hmm. to them. You know, just the, yep. uh, the, the place uh, teaching, you know, teaching. I don't know if it's if that's even the right phrase teaching. But uh, as far as dogs being, you know, operative dogs wanting to, you know, wanting to process thought. We didn't, you know, we didn't need a dog that needed a brain. We needed a dog that when I said foos, he said, boom, OK. Or when I said sit, boom, he sat. Now with all the shaping, the clicking, uh, one of the bigger things that I think about that's really changed um, is just marking a behavior. Ten years ago, um, and I try to think of different dogs that I had, how I would train with them. Think of a black dog I competed with named uh, Ari, and uh, what I and Ari was a super good obedience dog and uh, a, a good competition dog. When he did something good, I tossed him a ball. I never said yes, marked it, clicked it, 
just, hey, that was good. Here you go. And, uh, you know, then the next dog, you know, we started marking behaviors like, hey, that was it. You know, it's marking, you know, it's like clicking. You know, we're just taking a snapshot of what we think is a perfect behavior and telling the dog, yeah, that was it. Now comes the reward. Um, that's been been huge. Just clear communication with the dogs, having dogs that are, you know, willing uh, workers that are wanting to do something and want to use their brain rather than just avoid corrections, you know, which is basically what the prong collar was. Yeah, they'd get a ball, but most of it was just harsh <clears throat> corrections until uh, until, until they were kind of yanked into place. So that's that's a whole lot of it. They're just marking behaviors, teaching dogs to use, you know, use their mind. Right. The police dog that you're working now versus the one that you did in the 80s at that other department, like, what is he wearing differently? Are you, have you, are you different collars? Are you gone? Okay. Are you a, mm-hmm. a harness guy? Didn't, what have you changed yeah. over on the police side too? Yeah. Um, you know, my first, my first dog, you know, we had a leather collar and you'd have a choker on. That was it. Um, I don't know of anybody that had electric collars in 86 or 87 or 8. You know, I, I don't know of anybody. I'm sure maybe somebody did. Um, the circle of people that I trained with, nobody did. And I, I you know, uh, he basically worked the street with a choker and a leather collar. All corrections were made with a choker. I didn't even own a prong collar. We, you know, the, the, the training was more just force. You know, I can remember teaching a recall with a 50-foot line. You drug the dog all the way to you. Nobody told us that if you just lay him down there and call him to you and give him a ball, that they'll come even quicker. But, you know, we, we didn't know that stuff. It's um, 2019 and, and people still do that. Uh, you're probably right. <laughs> they do? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, they um, do. I bet. No, I can promise you that. Yeah. We, you know, we started getting a little in the 90s and there was a little bit more electricity and there was prompt callers for, you know, certain corrections, teaching outs and, you know, some of the some of the cleaner work that we needed, um, you know. For, so I went from a choker and a collar to, you know, right, right all the dogs right now on uh, Indianapolis Metro. We just about everybody uses a harness. I wish I would have used a harness about ten years sooner. I probably started using one in uh, I don't know maybe 2000, 2005 or something. I can't think of um, all the times I was on tracks and searches, either in a choker and a leather, where I can, still can remember hearing my dog just panting and getting choked because he was on, you know, on the scent and the way we were going, but um, I didn't have a harness on, so he was just, just getting choked the whole way. And we started using those, um, you know, 10, 12, trying to think how many dogs ago, you know, 10, 12 years ago or something like that. Like, wow, this is sure a lot easier. You don't get, get tangled and the dogs don't get exhausted and it's a lot easier to work with. So yeah, we all use harnesses. We all have uh, e-collars. That's kind of one of our uh, SOPs, you know, standard operating procedure for the department. You need to have uh, an e-collar on your dog so that, you know, we've got good control. You know, the scrutiny that police dogs are under now, they've got to be, you know, nearly robots as far as the control work and the directional work and, um, you know, the outing office suspects and that sort. So everybody's got e-collars, harnesses, and, uh, you know, that's that's pretty much how they all operate now. So how, how big is your, your Schutzen Club now? Um, I think we're probably 55 or 60 members. Oh. So it's, a, you know, it's a as far as like a good hardcore nucleus of trainers, you know, there's 30 or so. And, we you know, we have some fringe people that are more, you know, they enjoy it. They might 
might just be getting started. They might just have a puppy or, you know, they just enjoy the camaraderie and get a BH and maybe a IPO one or something on their dog and, you know, kind of putzing, but it's, it's a, it's a good group. It's, uh, it's not, you know, I mean, there, there's a social part to it, but, uh, there's also a, you know, a good, you know, we're here to get work done. We're not a, we're not a drinking shits and club or anything where, you know, you roll up and the coolers pull out. There's uh, you know, we don't have like a no drinking rule. It's just nobody's going to drink, um, because we don't do it. Uh, we don't know if everybody wants to go out afterwards to the pub and get a pizza and a beer. I'm all for it, but you know, we're, we're, uh, we're all business when we're there. About the only thing we do do is on our Sundays, we do a little pitch in, so everybody brings a little food. So, you know, we have fun that way, but you know, it's a, it's a social group, but it's, uh, you know, the, the primary focus is the dogs and, uh, getting dogs titled and, uh, getting, getting people where they want to go with their titles. They want to go to championships and compete. And you know, a lot of people want to compete at the highest level. How many guys you have there, guys or girls that could or should be making a living training dogs, but are like working at the pharmacy or, you know, work for a street department somewhere or something like that, like nobody's ever heard of? Uh, you know, I've got a lot. There's a lot of a lot of the a lot of my club members are very talented trainers. Um, I'm sure they they could. I can't. I can't probably really put a number on it. Uh, but you know, I mean, we've got you know we've got a couple other police officers. Um, you know, that like doing their job. They like doing the dog thing on the side. I don't know that they would want to you know walk away from a you know a, a good cop job to go do that. Um, and we've got we've got a couple. We probably have five or six people that do do full time training. You know, pet classes, also uh, uh, private classes, like for some of the shifts and work um, as their full time you know, occupation or income and some groomers also. So got a pretty good widespread. Over in Europe, when, um, and Ted and I talk a lot about our disdain for going to Europe to get dogs anymore. Um, A lot of times when you go to Europe, especially say Holland, uh, when you go look at dogs, you go to the KMPV club. A lot of the dogs are bought right off the field. Um, Maybe that's, maybe that happens over overseas and, Schutzen, and and now I'm seeing that it does happen sometimes here. The people that are in the U.S. looking for good dogs that aren't going and checking out the IPO clubs, what are they missing out on? I mean, does that still happen here where you go and maybe leave there with a dog off of the field? Go to Europe, you mean? No, 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 here in the U.S. Doing that here versus doing it in the U.S. Our whole thing is, Ted and I, we don't want to pay another dime to ship a dog from Europe if we can avoid it. Yeah. True story. Um, you know, yeah, I I hear you. Um, you know, I, I still think probably the, the yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on, on the airlines getting rich. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think that it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit easier to get uh, to get those type of dogs in Europe, and it probably always will be than it will be here in the states. I mean, there's so many clubs, there's so many good trainers, and there, there's there's good trainers here too. But as far as clubs, uh, we are so widespread uh, in a city you know the size of Indianapolis. You know, you know over there. Yeah, America is big. It's spread out, <laughs> so you're, you're just not you're just not going to have uh, you're not going to have the the volume of clubs to go see and and the people with the dogs that have you know already got had good training and you know started and a good foundation work and everything. Well, I, I don't think that we'll ever be able to match that. We just we just don't have the numbers, the numbers of dogs, the numbers of training groups, the number number of, of good trainers. Um, plenty of good trainers and plenty of good tra- training groups, but we're just so widespread. You can still find them, um, dogs. 
folks, but you know, you're more, you know, you're just rolling up to a club. I mean, like let's say my club, for instance, if you came one of the weekends where you're training because you want to look at dogs and see what was for sale, I really, I don't think there's anything out there that's for sale. There's, now, uh, you, you there's could a, probably you could probably buy some, but I don't think yeah. any of them are for sale. You know, there's a couple of right. people, uh, namely Kendall, down in Texas uh, at Saint Working Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, she is doing a fantastic do- job with Dutchies, um, mm-hmm. and she ended up buying a lot of the stock of an old KNPB line that is known for producing very. Very gnarly police dogs, I guess is the best way to say it. And then you get guys like Seth Morozowski down in Florida, who is doing a very good job of taking what's available in Europe. Um, You get guys like Chip Johnson out in California. Uh, You get guys like the Spicers, uh, you know, junior and senior, who are doing a good job of selecting those dogs from Holland and trying to feed the police canine industry. Uh, And I'm not talking about sport because sport has its own deal. Like you got, you know, PSA dogs and Mondio ring dogs and French ring dogs and IPO dogs and KMPV dogs and whatever. But I think the police canine side, I think there is probably a group of, I don't know, 15-ish to 20 people in the country that are dedicated to producing um, long-term police dogs to help supplement what is coming from Europe. And, um, I mean, even even now, I mean, I, you know, six years ago, I imported five dogs for one department at a time, and I paid $800 mm-hmm. for shipping for five dogs. Six months later, I imported a pregnant female and paid $1,200. <laughs> And prices haven't gone down. In fact, they've gone up. And the quality of dog and the price for the dogs hasn't gone down. In fact, the quality has gone down. So what I was paying 35 or 4,500 euros for is not what you're paying what you were paying even three years ago it's not you're getting the same kind of dog anymore in fact you know now because of shipping prices and you know there's somebody that i'm sure is going to listen to this he's what i would consider friend. he lives in holland and he tried to sell us a dog the other day that was what i would consider an astronomical price and i was like fuck you dude i mean i was like whatever man and then all of a sudden the price dropped overnight and i'm like yeah i bet it did and so, you know, I have a very, uh, and knowing that we're competing with China and knowing that we're competing with South Africa and we're, we're competing with, with Australia and that we're competing with certain portions of South America and Central America, like, you know, it's not um, like an exclusive deal in how you know, we deal with those people in Europe. And we're talking about it si- something the size of Connecticut. <laughs> I mean, it's a tiny, tiny area with a shitload of people and a shitload of dogs. And yeah. I think that it's just been overfished and it has. And I mean, when we had Ritland on and when we had Subtle on, that was kind of the, that was kind of the predominant thing. Like we buy, like everyone buys the, the best of what they've got. And then, you know, in our infinite wisdom in the United States, we bring these dogs over and we don't allow them to breed. We don't allow them to, so we effectively wash them from the gene pool, whether they're good producers or not. We don't know. Maybe we do. I don't know. But, um, you know, we're taking that chance away. 
and it's stupid. So, you know, I mean, with something has to change, whether it's domestically or internationally, I don't know what it is, but, you know, something has to change. It, it just flat out does. And I mean, because police departments aren't paying more. That's that's for sure. No, not too much. I mean, everybody's on a restricted budget, and you're exactly right when you're talking about, you know, you're competing with everybody, and, and, and nearly every every military, uh, you know, every country in the, in the world right now, their military is using dogs. So we're, and they all want the best ones. They all want the pipe hitters. You know, they've got good trainers, top-notch guys test them, and they're looking for the best of the best. And what, what we're also seeing, you know, I've seen a lot of good dogs. You're seeing them younger and younger and younger. When oh, I first yeah. got into this, my, my first place dog was two and a half years old. They were all two years old. We got them shits and one, shits and two, yep. or a three, something like that. Maybe a year and a half old dog. You know now that like right now, if I were going to go selection test dog, and because we looked at a couple, if it's a two or a three or even a four-year-old dog, something's wrong. There, there's there's something wrong. Either it's got a screw loose, it isn't going to do the deal, it's been handed around too much, it's got some baggage. But e- even a two-year-old dog, I'm going to like, hey, what's what's going on with this dude? Because they're selling them when they're nine and ten months old. Yep. And, uh, and they lie you know, about how old they are. <laughs> well, you know, um, everybody's wanting to make a buck, but, you know, but, but we're getting them younger and younger. Like I said, I, you know, 20 years ago, they were two, everything, everything was two years old, oh, two to three years old. And now everything is, you know, a year, maybe a year and a half. You don't see much, you know, you don't see anything for sale older than that. And they want to move them out quick. In Europe, they've got, you know, they've got the good breeders, they've got the good puppies and put them in the right hands. You know, that's the big thing that the people, you know, there's pup raisers over there, Slovak and Czech and Germany and Holland. There, there's pup raisers. They'll go to this, you know, the, the, the local clubs. They've already got the people lined up. They'll take two or three pups each or whatever. They're good with building drives, doing environmentals, uh, working with the puppy, what little skills, and, you know, give him enough so he's got a brain. They go back and test them, you know, uh, once a month, make sure the puppies are doing good. And then they go collect them up when they're nine or ten months old. Over here, we don't have, we don't have as many pups. Raisers. We don't have those sort of skills. No. The best dog that was probably ever produced in in uh, America was either took to the vet, put to sleep, or died chained to a tree somewhere because they, they're, they're just not the hands to put them in. Yeah, so we definitely don't have that culture, that's for sure. No, it, yeah. Do not have the culture. Yeah. Dying over there. So. No, yeah, no, you're 100% right. You know, like moving forward, where can people find you? I know you have a website, and I'll have Alicia mm-hmm. put it in the show notes. But what is it? Okay. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Mike Deal. Right. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward there. And as far as my uh, website, it's uh, www.deals, which is D-I-E-H-L-S, policecaninetraining.com. You know, if you're, uh, I've got some information on there and uh, uh, some of the stuff that I do and done on there. So if somebody wants to go to that, they're more than welcome to. Awesome. Yeah. I was on your, Mike, I was on your website and you got, you got puppies on there. You have adult dogs. You have training stuff listed in there. It's a pretty full service type of dealio over there, huh? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's, uh, um, I think it's a pretty informative website. You know, I try to put out just enough without boring everybody to death. And, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of little eye candy on there for everyone. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad we had you on, man. It's, 
Yeah. Um, you know, this is working dog radio, so isn't for us, you know, we're primarily police dog trainers, but we try to try to cover all the gamuts of actual working dogs. And, you know, yeah. IPO or Schutzen or whatever I, uh, they're going to name it next has been around as long as anything. I enjoy, uh, I always enjoy talking to good dog people, and uh, I like... I like it, you know. I've always said I'm a lucky guy, you know. What, what, you know, my my job is my passion, and then, uh, you know, my passion is also also my job is what I, you know, do on the side also. So, to be able to work with the dogs in real settings, you know, rather than just training dogs to to run blinds and go pick up dumbbells. I mean, I love doing that, and that's a big passion. But in the real setting, you know, doing the real the real police work is uh, is good stuff. It's uh, uh, been very blessed. Awesome, Ted. Where are you at? Uh, I am at Torchlight Canine, letter K, number nine, dot com, and on the Instagrams, and then uh, Ted underscore Scummers on Instagram, and of course the website, uh, or I'm sorry, the Instagram for the podcast is working underscore dog underscore radio, and then you are at where? I'm at Van S Canine on Instagram, Van S Canine Academy on Facebook. And then we got the high risk deployment. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Google high risk deployment. You'll find us on everything. Uh, when this episode comes out, we'll be like two Scheduled weeks away to October. from our HRDs. Right. Yeah. Our HRD seminar in San Antonio. And listen, guys. Yeah. If you if you have not signed up, you probably missed out by this point. If you're in the San Antonio area or anywhere over there and you want to travel, the HRD seminar, Ray, uh, our partner tells us, is filling up every day. There are limited spots. Yeah. This is not a big conference where there's a thousand people going to be there there are limited spots get on it yeah we just show up and yell at people i don't know how many people are coming i think it's like 35 (laughs) like yeah so uh and if you're listening to this and you're a decoy and you see us coming to your area and you hit up ray and you want to decoy at at one of our events and you have to be experienced and you got to have a lot of decoy savvy to you that's cool right we you know uh we'll pick the guys that we think can you know do the work the best but keep in mind and i've said this in other episodes we are going to work the dog shit out of you so when you come in there be in shape be ready to go and be ready to do a ton of reps you're gonna you're gonna help train these police dogs to save their handlers' lives, save other people's lives, do what they're supposed to do. You're going to learn some shit from us in the same, but you are going to sweat your ass off, and I'll make it up to you at night. Don't worry. I will get you drunk. Yeah, God, for sure. And, you know, that's, uh, I mean, we're scheduled now. We just scheduled one for uh, Erie, uh, I think, in October. I don't remember. I think it's October. Um, So we're scheduled out through October. It's going to be good this year, I think. Um, So, and on that note, too, yeah, so. So we're scheduled out through October for HRD. Uh, it's going to be good. Be sure to hit us up, hrdpolicek9.com, letter K, number nine, uh, for our travel schedules and coming to your town, of course, being here. Our next, so we got three super high-powered guests, three in a row that are going to be uh, pretty cool and uh, super, super informative. So um, we're super excited. So, Eric, what else you got? That is it, man. I'm uh, just waiting to... Go to uh, Bravo 3 in March, the beginning of March. because it's No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not going to be freezing cold there. <laughs> no snow. <laughs> right. Not running right, your Mike, fucking truck into the thank you for coming garage. on, man. No, I'm yes. not going to slam hey, it. Ted and Eric, Ted and Eric, I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you very yeah. much. Enjoy talking with you. Yeah, it's been great. Be we safe, appreciate buddy. it a whole lot. Thanks. Okay, thank you guys you. be Bye. safe. You too. Thank you. Bye. 
Since 1987, Bill Heiser and Southern Coast Canine have been providing better training, better service, and better dogs. Bill personally hand-selects every dog in Europe to ensure that the quality is always up to his standards. Every employee at Southern Coast Canine is charged with being a guardian of their values. Those values guide both their business and personal relationship. They believe that their dedication to the fundamental tenets of honesty, integrity, and fair business dealings ensure a legacy of success. So when you or your canine unit is looking for that dog, the one that will perform at the highest level, be sure to give a Southern Coast Canine a call at 877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647. Let them know that Eric and Ted from Working Dog Radio sent you. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up, specifically for guys on this podcast. If you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website again tripwireops.org we love usa canine dog toys they are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers usa canine dog toys are made in the u.s from adorable super chewer rubber compound ted and i love them and use them all the time go check them out at www.usa-k9.com use the promo code canine pro your reasons I got my wants still got that feeling but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt. 